What's up, everyone? This is Matt Vote of The Lifestyle Practice, where we help dentists like you achieve your goals and take your practice to the next level. We're not just podcasters, as you know. Our main way we work with dentists like you is through one-on-one coaching. We also work together via our online learning course, TLP Academy, which you can gain access to by visiting our website or by clicking the link in the show notes, and our exclusive TLP Mastermind Groups. I've been working with our most recent mastermind group for about a month now, and I've got to say, I've been really impressed with, with these doctors. Individual masterminds, if you haven't been in a mastermind group before, they tend to take on a personality of their own. And this one seems to be very driven, very straight to the point, which is a good thing, and honestly, very down to earth too. Uh, there's been a ton of great communication on our private group message board, and it's really, it's really been a lot of fun, honestly. So if you'd like to be a part of a TLP mastermind group at some point, I'd say keep your eyes and ears open in 2024. And of course, if you think you'd like to take your practice to the next level and create your very own lifestyle practice, working one-on-one together, or if you just have some questions about what that would look like, email me at matt at thelifestylepractice.com. So today, yes, we are comparing your treatment planning technique to a hostage negotiation. So I was in my office this week looking at my bookshelf and just thinking about what we should talk about today on the podcast. When my eyes came across a book that I've read several times over the years now, it's called Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It. And it's by author Chris Voss. Now, Chris spent 24 years with the FBI as their lead international kidnapping and hostage negotiator and has now parlayed that into a consulting, and speaking career that applies his globally proven techniques to the business world. And this is one of those books that I came back to from time to time, or that I come back to from time to time, because it truly resonated with me. I'd originally read it during dental school because I knew as I was embarking on my journey to start my own business from scratch that there was going to be a lot of negotiation, and I just wanted to get a fair shake. I didn't want to be taken advantage of. But more recently, as I've been working with my team in my practice, discussing treatment planning and treatment acceptance in the office, I realized how many of the techniques that Chris discusses in this book had bled into my interactions with patients. And it's really been a game changer for treatment diagnosis in my office. So today, we're going to discuss four key points and techniques from Never Split the Difference and how you can implement them immediately in your office to improve your treatment planning and acceptance numbers, and almost more importantly, get more enjoyment out of these discussions with patients. Okay, so let's jump in. Point number one. In the book, Chris Voss defines the goal of every person in almost every situation in the world. We have two primal urges as people. We want to feel safe and secure, and we need to feel in control. Very, very simple. People just want to feel understood and accepted. Yes, this even applies to people that Chris is talking to on the other ho- other side of a hostage negotiation who might be a bit unhinged. And honestly, when you think about the stakes of a conversation like that, suddenly telling a patient that they need dental treatment doesn't seem so bad, right? So how does this type of thinking, or how does how does knowing this primal urge apply to a patient who might be in your chair today? Well, your patients need to feel like they are making decisions for themselves when it comes to your treatment planning. The old, 
my way or the highway technique very rarely works. Patients have come to your office, hopefully for a good reason, and the time to quote unquote convince them that you know what you're talking about and that they should trust what you have to say is before they get in the chair. This should be through your branding, your reviews, how your team talks to you, talks about you to patients, and just the overall vibe of your office. The best way to satisfy these primal goals of patients in your chair is to listen intensely and show a sincere desire to understand what they are experiencing and what they want to accomplish. So one of the best ways I've found to accomplish this is to simply ask your patients questions. For instance, what's your goal in being here at our office? Or what are you looking to accomplish with me as your new dentist? When you ask that question, you will get an incredible insight into your patient's motivations. Then when it comes time for you to talk about treatment, make sure you are framing that treatment discussion in the context of your patient's specific goals. For instance, we all know that when a tooth has a failing, cracking amalgam and it needs a crown, there could be a number of different ways that you may tell that to a patient or that you may frame that discussion. What I'm talking about is, let's say they have told you that their goal is to keep all their teeth. Well, you're going to talk about maybe what will happen if they don't put a crown on that tooth, that someday it may crack irreparably and they could need an extraction and an implant. If they've told you that they know they need dental treatment, but they're really concerned about the cost, honestly. Well, then you may discuss that need for the crown and how the alternatives of waiting, such as needing a root canal or an implant in the future, are just going to cost that much more. You're not manipulating the patient. You're not selling them. You're just being honest. They cost more. And that could very well happen to you. Maybe they've told you that they just hate going to the dentist. Gosh, we hear that every day. You might then understand that they are fearful. And that's one of the things that's holding them back. And you can explain the treatment, but then reinforce how comfortable you'll make them in the chair. And then make sure that your staff is, is doing the same or your team is doing the same thing. Once you know that these things are motivating your patient, you can tailor your discussion to their exact goals. So try that today and see what happens. Point number two, Chris also talks about the importance of mirroring your counterpart in discussions and being aware of your tone when speaking in these critical situations. One of my favorite parts of the book is when he talks about the three different voices that he uses, which I immediately realized could apply to our discussions with patients in our offices. So his three voices he defines like this. His, his main voice is positive and playful. That's the default. It's the voice of an easygoing, good-natured person. It's relaxed and you're, you're smiling. You're, you're generally positive. And then he's got his, what he calls his late night DJ voice. Um, and I always think of uh, Delilah when, when he says that, uh, the, the radio show. But he uses this late night DJ voice selectively to make a point. So he inflects his voice downward, very calm and slow and creates an aura of trustworthiness without triggering defensiveness. So he, he injects this into conversations, kind of like I'm doing now, to differentiate from that positive and playful voice. And it's very sincere, and patients' ears in our offices, if you're using this tone, they may perk up. They may say, oh, this is, this is something that's important. And then the other voice that um, he talks about is being direct, or assertive. And that's used very, very rarely. 
in, in these types of negotiations that he's talking about. So in your dental chair, you don't have to overthink this, but think about your voices and, and your tone with patients and what that sounds like when you're presenting treatment. It might be something like this. You're, you're very positive initially. You're making a connection with patients. Mr. Jones, great to meet you. Um, tell me about yourself. I have, the hygienist mentioned that you, uh, you just moved to town and that's why you're looking for a new dentist. Awesome. And then as you're getting to the, the, the meat of your discussion, you know, maybe, maybe you've got to change that tone a little bit. Maybe you see something that neither of you expected to see. Maybe it's a bombed out tooth that, that, that just wasn't, uh, it wasn't something that they even brought up or knew about. That's when you can go into your late night DJ voice. Mr. Jones, okay, I got to be honest with you. I see, I'm concerned about this tooth here. Let me pull up this picture and show you what I'm talking about. This is, this caught my eye and we really should be doing something about this. And when you change your tone, that's going to, that's going to, subtly make that patient realize, okay, th this is something that I need to pay attention to. Something to play with. And I think you'll see, see some results in how you're able to connect with your patients. When discussing the mirroring process, Chris in the book talks about how important it is to repeat the last few words or the most critical words that someone has said, starting sentences with, I'm sorry, and then utilizing silence to let your mirroring work its magic. In your practice, this may go something like this. Mr. Jones, I'm, I'm concerned about this tooth, and I'm sorry to even bring this up, but honestly, it's because I care about you, and I know you mentioned earlier how important it is for you to keep all your teeth. But see on this picture how this tooth is breaking down? See this crack that's forming right here? We really need to put a porcelain crown on this tooth to protect it. And I pause there intentionally, because for those few seconds, let silence work its magic. Maybe you're just looking at your patient with a neutral expression and seeing what they have to say, picking up on any cues. They could be by their posture or their, or their appearance of their face to see their reaction to what you're saying. Because if you jump right into over-explaining, talking about undermined cusps and tertiary dentin and so on and so forth, you're going to lose that patient's interest almost immediately. And if they're ready to go, you've, you've talked about this issue and they understand and they trust you, great, your discussion is done. There's no need to continue talking and over-explaining. If not, you may ask them, what are your thoughts? Get some more insight into what they're, what they're thinking. But let that silence help you. Don't be afraid of silence in these discussions. If you give some silence, some, some air in the discussion, and they're kind of happy and upbeat about what you've just said, you can act that way too. And if they're mad or upset that you're telling them all this, be mad or upset too. No one says you can't feel that way for your patient. Yeah, Mr. Jones, I'm sorry. I know this stinks. No one wants to be in my chair getting dental work done. No one. I don't want to tell you that you need need this work. I, I, I know you don't. I, I get it. Don't be afraid to mirror them, but in a way that also shows confidence in your expertise and treatment planning. Regardless of why they're there in your office, I think it's a success if you walk out of the room and the patient is thinking, yeah, you know, I, I don't really want to do that or spend the money on it, but I need to get it done. And this doctor is clearly the one for the job. So point number three, in the book, Chris also talks about validating someone's emotions by acknowledging them. And I can't express how important this is in your dental office. If you take one thing away from this podcast today, make it this. Phrases like, it seems like, or it sounds like, or it looks like, blank, should be coming out of your mouth regularly in your discussions with patients. 
This can happen at the beginning of a conversation. Maybe something like, so Mr. Jones, if, if I'm hearing correctly, it sounds like at your previous dentist, you had talked about these things and, and maybe you were watching them or doing something about them. We're not sure, but you want to make sure that your mouth and your oral health is taken care of and, and set up for success in the future and that nothing's going to go wrong. Is that right? Something like that is, is really good to understand why your patient's there, what's motivating them, and, and getting into their brain a little bit. But honestly, the most important time that you can have a, a discussion like this and use those phrases is when you feel like something isn't quite right in your conversation with the patient. And we all know, we all have times that we, we know this is happening. You've discussed your patient's needs, and maybe the moment you mention something, their tone has totally changed or something feels off. And whenever that happens, I love addressing it head on. Something like, so John, tell me what your thoughts are thus far, because I can see the, the cogs are turning in your brain and that you're, you're thinking about what, what we're talking about so far. Then, like we talked about before, silence. Give them a chance to process, give you that critical information that you need to, to get on the same page. Or maybe you've mentioned something like the dreaded word root canal, and you saw your patient make a face. That happens, I mean, gosh, that happens every day in my practice where patients make a face when you tell them something. Jane, I, I know that word tends to bring out a lot of emotion in my patients. And, you know, I saw that face you made thinking about the word root canal. So tell me what's going through your brain. Once again, silence. Get that response and see what's going through their head. Chris calls this tactical empathy where you recognize someone else's perspective, and then you've got to vocalize that recognition. You bring your attention to those emotional obstacles to getting an agreement done, and that can be words, tone, or body language. Usually body language is one of the most important things, and you get all of this out in the open. You, you get it out in the open, which is a good thing that you're addressing these things head on, and if done correctly, it should feel more like you and your patient are a team solving a problem together. Now that you're delivering this awful news and, and it's a contentious thing, no, you're, you're a team. They're there for your help. You're there to help them. Let's figure out how to, how to get something done by working together. All right, so last point. I could talk about this book all day long, but we've somehow condensed it into four, four points today. Point number four, Chris talks a lot about neutralizing the negatives and clearing the barriers to an agreement. And you do this by labeling fears to diffuse their power. He often uses the, this phrase in his negotiation. He says, look, I know I'm an asshole. I hope you don't say that to your patients. But what's something similar or a similar tone you can take or we can take in our discussions to clear those barriers in the things that we're talking about? I'm not saying to lower your self-esteem or your self-image or or your you know, importance as a doctor, certainly not. But I'm saying put, your, put yourself in your patient's shoes. Saying things like, you know, I know no one wants to see me, the dentist, and I know that it's, it's not fun to be in the dental chair, but trust me, I'll make you as comfortable as I can. That's, that's the least I can do. Or I know that very few people want to spend money on their mouth, but we really shouldn't let this tooth get any worse because I just think it's going to get worse over time. Or look, neither of us are happy when I tell you you need something done. I wish no one needed dental work done, but dot, 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 dot. 
you observe the feelings of your patients without reaction or judgment, and you replace those those feelings or those barriers that you're sensing with a solution. So basically, you're kind kindly saying, "Yeah, I I get what you're saying. I get what you're feeling, but here's why this still needs to happen." So they now feel safe and secure because you've acknowledged exactly what they are looking to accomplish and their goals, fears, etc. And one of the best things you can do now, and you've heard us all at TLP talk about this to some degree, is allow the patient to choose their next move. Like we said at the beginning of the podcast, and we've all kind of learned over time, the my way or the highway, I'm the dentist, I know what's best for you, do this, do it right now. That, that approach, I mean, it just doesn't work that well. It might for you, but it's also not that fun you know, I, I, we've all gone, we've all gone through our careers and maybe dental school failed us a bit. We got right out of dental school and we put on our white coat and we said, I'm the dentist now. So here's how I'm going to talk. You know, this filling is much too wide and large and it's undermining the cusps and blah, 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 blah. So we, we must put a crown on this right now. It, it just, it, it doesn't really work that great. You certainly want to be confident in your in your diagnoses and what you're what you're recommending and what you're telling patients that they need, but then they have to feel like they're choosing their next move. And one of the best ways to to make this happen is to offer offer your patients several different choices, which both result in starting treatment. Maybe something like, so how you want to go about tackling this is up to you, Mrs. Jones. We know that taking care of everything we've talked about today as soon as possible is the ideal way. But if you've got to go step by step or really whatever way you'd like to go, you're still going to be our patient and our friend here. So what are you thinking? What would you like to do? And when you when you have a discussion like that, right at the end of your treatment planning discussion, your patients will often tell you exactly what they want to do. And then you can say, yeah, that sounds great. Or maybe they've told you that they want to wait a, a year to address the uh, the you know infected tooth that you see that needs a root canal and crown, and then you can kindly tell them, you know, I I get where I get what you're saying, but I don't think that's a very good idea, and here's why. So you can start to address those barriers and address them while they're in the chair, instead of having them leave the office with that thought. And you you and I both know that you should not be waiting to address an infected tooth for a year. So, like I said, patients will often tell you exactly what they want to do, and then. You can follow that up with a recommendation if you want, or you can do that ahead of time. One of the things that I tend to say a lot in the office is, you know, honestly, the the best first step, if you're looking for some guidance, would be see our hygienist to begin the left side of your uh, gum treatment, your SRP on that side. And then after you see them, I would complete the treatment on that side while you're already numb. And it'll be a little bit longer appointment, and you'll probably be a little sore or tired afterward. But I'd say that makes more sense than coming back in for a bunch of shorter visits where we're just poking you with a needle again and getting you numb again. A common response at this point from patients might be, well, you know, that all sounds great. It's just going to depend on the cost. And then you can have an honest discussion with your patients about what you think needs to happen. Then you can also endorse maybe your treatment coordinator or whoever's going to be talking you know, a little bit more about the dollars and cents of treatment to let your patient know, you know, they're great. They're going to help you figure this out. And then you know, your, like I said, your job is to kind of figure out that first step and where you'd like to go. A kind of goofy example I like to give when we're talking, we're having these types of discussions is imagine someone 
like Bill Gates walks into your office and you don't know that he's Bill Gates. Uh, and let's say, say Bill Gates has a deathly, deathly uh, aversion to, to needles. He never wants to see a needle in his life. And Bill Gates is in your dental chair. Well, if you're not asking these types of questions, you're not trying to use this, this emotional intelligence to figure out why he's there or what's, what's motivating him. If you start talking about, or if you're fearful about the cost of treatment for someone like Bill Gates, and you start trying to, you know, over explain your way out of a treatment that you've recommended talking about, you know, whatever it is revolving around the cost, Bill Gates is going to feel like this, this guy or gal has, has taken no effort to understand why I'm here. But if you're, if you're getting into the nuts and bolts of these types of conversations and you manage to uncover this fear that he has, well, then you can frame your discussions with him around that fear and help address that issue. Maybe it's sedation in your office. Maybe you've got, you're the best injector in the entire world and you're going to make it completely pain-free. So he has nothing to worry about. He doesn't care about the cost of the treatment, but what he really cares about is that you understand he's scared. And maybe you're going to take a, an extra few minutes or your assistant is going to, to give him a little extra care to make sure that he's comfortable that day and he doesn't have any surprises or any pain or anything like that. That is a, a kind of a crazy off the wall example, but it's a real one because if you didn't understand what was motivating him and you started talking about the wrong things when you're talking about needed treatment, you're not creating that connection. That patient is not feeling secure, not feeling like he's in control like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. And so he's, he may not get treatment done in your office. He may try to find a dentist who's going to make him feel that way. So try some of these techniques in your practice. This emotional intelligence and understanding of the psychology of our patients is one of the best skills you can master, in my opinion. And honestly, when I started doing more of this, it greatly increased my enjoyment of this part of dentistry and decreased a lot of anxiety about telling patients what they really needed. Because I started to see us as a team working together to solve problems. We're on the same side of the table. We're not across the table from each other. We are on the same side of the table trying to, to figure things out. The pain of an injection, the cost of treatment, the annoyance of coming into the dentist, we can't really change those things as dentists. They are what they are, but we can help overcome those barriers to be able to help our patients be healthier. So remember the four points we talked about today. Number one, the urge of people to feel safe, secure, and in control. Number two, mirroring and awareness of your tone. Maybe use that late night DJ Delilah voice every once in a while. Number three, tactical empathy, validating someone's emotions by acknowledging them. Not just saying, I understand. No, really repeat back what they're feeling so that they know that you've listened and acknowledge what they're feeling. And number four, neutralizing negatives and barriers by just getting them out in the open. And obviously, you've got to read this book. I think you'll love it, and I think it'll help you in many different ways in your practice, not just with, with treatment planning. So I put a link in the show notes for you to, to purchase it on Amazon or just look it up. Never Split the Difference, Negotiating as if Your Life Depended on It by Chris Voss. This type of mindset and skill development is something that I work very closely on with my one-on-one -on -one clients. We often figure out where the holes are in, in this skill set and where the improvement needs to be made and then incrementally work on things together. 
And this is something that can be tweaked and should be tweaked for your individual practice and your, your individual style. That's something that we usually do together as well, working one-on-one, because in, in coaching, we're not putting you into a box. And when I say we, I'm speaking for all of us at TLP. We are not just saying it's our way or the highway. We're not just giving you a binder of information and saying, do this and you'll, you'll be successful. We're arming you with skills to last your entire career. And it's totally tailored to your goals, your practice, and, and what you're looking to accomplish. So if that's something that interests you, or if you have any questions about what that might look like, you know how to get a hold of me, Matt at thelifestylepractice.com. Go read this book. It's awesome. And we'll talk to you again soon on the podcast. Cheers. Good in your average.